You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Draft Show. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by two guests, Nathan Cooper and John Todd. They are both with Sports Info Solutions. I'm going to throw to them so they can kind of give you an idea of, you know, what they do, what their background is. Let's start with you, Nathan. Uh, what's your background? Yeah, appreciate you having us, Kyle. Um, basically, right now, uh, you know, I've been at Sports Info Solutions about five years. I'm an operations associate. Uh, we started as a baseball company and, and now we're getting into football here. So, uh, you know, been doing football uh, with John over the past few years, uh, definitely growing the company. Uh, I actually played football growing up, played a quarterback in, in college uh, at a small school in Kentucky. Uh, have some uh, work experience at, uh, you know, internships with the Chiefs, UNLV, uh, a couple of arena teams uh, and the Browns as well. Uh, before coming here. So uh, definitely love football and love getting, uh, you know, getting into the draft season and talking about these prospects. And you mentioned sports info solutions. One thing that I really love about you guys is um, I've been for years, I've been trying to have a stat that's sort of like basketball where there's a plus minus. And in, in your handbook, in your rookie handbook, there is that you get, you guys use EPA. So you kind of have an EPA when a player is on and off the field. I saw that for offensive linemen. Um, is there any other different nuggets that kind of separate you guys from what another publication has? Yeah, uh, like you said, EPA is a big one. Uh, we also have something called total points, uh, which is kind of like the war of baseball, um, you know, go through. And, you know, this is basically how many points better, uh, you know, a, a standard average player is. Um, and that's one of the big things that we look at. We put out a lot of publications on, um, you know, different things that, that are in that nature. And, you know, John and I actually just put out our all rookie teams uh, based on total points as well. So that's one of the big things that we like to use. John, how about you? What's your background? Yeah, so I, uh, like Nate, I've been at Sports Info Solutions for about five years now. Um, five football seasons. I went to Mississippi State. Um, worked in the football recruiting department there. Through that, I got an internship with uh, the Washington football team now uh, for a few off seasons. So I've, I've been around football. I've seen it at both levels, um, kind of been involved in the, the scouting aspect of things. Always wanted to get into scouting and, and got to Sports Info Solutions where it's a bit more charting based and, and analytics based from the, uh, the front end of charting games and things. But uh, Nate and I have done uh, a, a, a lot of work to building up the scouting side of the company as well. A lot of people want to come to the company and, and get that scouting side of things as well. So we're kind of trying to merge the two things that we're doing here of, of charting games from a, a statistical standpoint, uh, as well as having this kind of side project of all the, the eye scouting that we do. So eye scouting is big, but I chart the 49ers game, the 49ers games, and I just learned so much more. I feel like from charting it firsthand, what, what do you think is it? What do you think is most important that, or what's something that you learn just from charting games? Whereas um, compared to just watching the games by themselves. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a different experience for sure. Depending on the, what you're actually looking for. We have different passes that we do of looking at just offense, looking at just defense, looking at snap counts and alignments and things like that. So 
Um, it depends on the perspective that you're coming at it from, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Guys will stand out to you that you're maybe entering in more than you expected to. You keep, you're, you're doing a defense and you keep putting in this guy who keeps getting pressures, keeps getting tackles. Um, you're doing an offense and you keep putting in this guy's forcing missed tackles and quarterbacks making some great throws without accuracy problems and things like that, that, uh, stuff will stand out to you that you're, um, maybe when you're watching a game, you're watching for one guy or a couple guys, and you're not really expecting somebody to stand out to you. So that's one avenue where, uh, guys that'll stand out to you that, that you're maybe not expecting as you're just charting a full game. Um, anybody can stand out. So let's get into the quarterbacks and this for the first time in a long time, I feel like the quarterbacks who are, you know, men mentioned it going in the first round, they actually deserve it. And that's not always the case, especially in the previous couple of years in the NFL draft. And even a guy like Mac Jones, who's been mocked in the first round, I, I can understand why a team would want to have a Mac Jones on their roster. Um, do you guys kind of agree with that assessment where these guys who are all mentioned from, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, and even Mac Jones, um, do you feel like they are that draft position is warranted? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, those are the top five guys that we actually have in our book. So it kind of makes sense. Um, and they all kind of bring their own, uh, you know, their own little nuggets, their own um, traits that we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, these guys are, are definitely warranted for the first round. Um, and, and we can really see why whenever you watch them on, on the field. So when you the first thing you watch a quarterback, everyone wants to know, you know, who has a hose, who can throw the ball. So let's talk about the best arm in the draft. John, let's start with you. Who has the biggest arm in the draft? So we're not wanting to talk about the same guy for all these. We kind of spaced out things a little bit, of course. Um, I mean, obviously, all these guys have, have good arms, or most of them do at least. Um, so try to space things out a little bit, uh, although I think this one could be warranted as well, just straight up. Zach Wilson, I think, is most best arm talent in the draft for us. Led the handbook in average depth of target. Like He's thrown deep balls. He's not a big fan of checkdowns. He's chucking it deep. Um, we think he excels at throwing at awkward angles, throwing on the move outside the pocket. Um, he's kind of your backyard quarterback playmaker, making stuff happen um, off schedule, off platform, all that kind of stuff. He's throwing bombs. He, he really lets it fly. So uh, we'll go with Zach Wilson for best just pure arm talent. So when you mentioned that, and I, does that affect your evaluation? Because you mentioned the backyard football, you mentioned throwing off platform. So that's fun to see. And he can like sling it down the field. You can see throws where he's throwing off the run off platform, 65 yards, and it looks effortless. Whereas, you know, another guy might have a strong base in the pocket and he's throwing 60 yards as well. So when you see a guy who is quote unquote, more fun, like Zach Wilson, does that kind of affect how you are watching these guys? Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to the whole, I mean, again, we're not comping anybody to Patrick Mahomes here, but as a prospect, I mean, Patrick Mahomes coming out, that was his whole thing, was the backyard quarterback thing where can he play in structure? Can he um, drop back and go one read, two read, three reads, get to his check down, that kind of stuff, stay in the pocket instead of dropping that five-step drop back to a 10-step drop and drifting sideways and, and making plays on sidearm throws outside the pocket and everything, which is somewhat what Zach Wilson does, but he does play under structure. He works within the pocket. He's got some good footwork. He's definitely, when he extends plays, he's still looking to throw. He's not just a, a total freelancer. But yeah, there is always that, that nervousness with some of those guys. Zach Wilson does uh, get caught staring down one read a little bit here and there. Um, he can overtrust his arm a little bit too much in college. Um, obviously you're, you're watching a guy who, um, dominated his competition playing a, a, a against lesser competition, especially in 2020, when, uh, he's not really playing those non-conference games that you're looking for those, uh, non-power five guys to play. 
Um, he done his best year was in 2020 when he didn't have to play those, those top competition guys. Um, so yeah, there, there is a bit of that nervousness for sure. But, um, obviously if you have that arm talent, coaching staffs, the NFL will think that they can work around that. You can't teach that stuff. And they can, a lot of them think that they can teach their way around, uh, any of the flaws that you might have. Uh, Nathan, when we're talking about arm strength, a lot of people just like the general casual fan will think that is only about throwing the ball far. And when I think of arm strength or arm talent, however you want to phrase it, it's more about throwing with velocity, those 15 to 18 yard comebacks, those blaze outs or those dig routes, being able to hit those guys in stride and throwing the ball on a line. How would you describe arm talent? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head right there. Um, you know, it's not about just throwing the ball as far as you can, but you're looking at those opposite hash throws, um, those, you know, 15 yard outs, uh, you know, on the opposite hash, you're looking to make those types of throws. You're looking at being able to fit th uh, fit throws into small windows. Um, that's going to happen a lot across the middle of the field as well. Um, and, and being able to throw with that anticipation. It's kind of that, that middle ground of throwing with the arm and the anticipation as well, um, being able to make all the throws was on the field, um, you know, no matter if it's, you know, five yards down the field or 50 yards down the field. So let's move on to accuracy and, you know, where you put the ball matters in the NFL. And that's probably, you know, a lot of people would argue that's the most important trait for a quarterback. Like, where is he able to put the ball? So who do you guys have as the most accurate quarterback? Yeah, we actually separated out. We do a, an overall accuracy and then we have a short and deep accuracy. I'll talk about the overall a little bit and I'll let John talk about the short and deep. Um, overall, we, we say Mac Jones, um, you know, if you look at the, the traits that he has and, and the stats that that he um, put up this year, you know, he was first in completion percentage, first in catchable percentage, uh, tied first in on target percentage. Um, you know, we're not talking about just, you know, being able to, to complete the ball, but being able to put the ball where it needs to be, um, you know, away from defenders and allowing his receivers to actually make plays with it. Um, you know, one of the things with, with Mac Jones that keeps coming up is he played at Alabama. Um, he had all the talent around him. Maybe he didn't have to fit the ball, in, uh, you know, very much. Um, but whenever he had to, he, he was able to put it where it needs to go. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that's not just throwing screens and check downs. He's able to, to you know, throw the ball around the field. Um, he, he makes those, those short, intermediate and deep ball throws as well. Um, a guy that, you know, I think is going to be able to make it at the next level. Uh, a guy that's going to work well from the pocket. Uh, and he definitely puts the ball where he needs to go, which is one of the biggest things that you need to have uh, at the quarterback position. That is such a lazy analysis to say that he played at Alabama. He had four first round wide receivers, so he never had to do anything. Because if you if you just watch one game from Alabama, you'll see Mac Jones putting the ball like he he throws Devonta Smith open. Like I remember back in the end zone against Georgia, um, just an amazing pass. I remember throwing a, a pump screen or he, he threw a screen down the sideline. Get, I think it was against South Carolina where. It, some of these passes, there are there's no other place to put the ball. So I agree with Mac Jones that that he is the most accurate quarterback. Uh, short accuracy, John. What do you got there? I think our highest accuracy grade of any of the short, deep, and overall stuff was Trevor Lawrence for short. Um, and it goes back to similar to Mac Jones. They were tied with each other for uh, number one in the country in on target percentage, which is again, it's deeper than completion percentage. It's deeper than just catchable percentage. This is spot on accuracy, which is what came up a lot in, in Trevor Lawrence's report for us. He did a fantastic job, excellent job of putting the ball in places where his playmakers could catch the ball in stride, right in their chest, wouldn't have to slow down, don't have to adjust at the catch point on underneath targets to let them make plays and move forward. Um, so that was Trevor Lawrence for us. And then the deep accuracy, going back to Zach Wilson, um, Zach Wilson led our, our deep accuracy metrics for most of the season this year. 
Um, again, with that really high average depth of target, like he's chucking it deep and he's still high up there in accuracy stuff for us. So we'll go Trevor Lawrence for short and Zach Wilson for deep. He's not just able to have that arm talent, but he's, he's putting it on target as well. When we're mentioning these top five guys and let's just label it as accuracy as a whole, is there a significant drop off from Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones uh, to Justin Fields, Trey Lance? Is there one guy who is just not close to the rest of the field? No, for the most part, uh, you know, our accuracy, it wasn't, it's, it's a good bell curve. Um, you know, we have those, those guys at the top, you know, at the top for a reason. Uh, then you have a pretty good, uh, you know, range of guys that are in that average to good range. Uh, and then whenever you get lower towards the the bottom tier, you know, you kind of level out a little bit. Um, I don't think that anyone really stood out above, above the rest. You know, you look at, at Mac Jones and, you know, the numbers that he put up and obviously Trevor Lawrence puts those numbers up as well. Um, but in terms of what we project to the next level, they're all pretty, pretty similar. And in, in, in that curve lays out pretty well. So with the way defenses are trending these days, you know, you're getting all kind of crazy blitzes, simulated pressures. These guys are coming from all over the place. So as a quarterback, you need to be able to kind of maneuver in the pocket, manipulate defenses and keep your eyes down the field. So is there one quarterback in this draft that you you would peg as the best in the pocket? In the pocket, uh, you know, that's going back to Mac Jones again. Uh, you know, we, we feel like he's a guy that's in the pocket. Um, you know, he's going to do most of his work there. He's not going to be a guy that's going to really get out of the pocket much and extend plays. He will when he needs to. He can maneuver the, the pocket and, you know, extend plays, you know, being able to manipulate the pocket and, and avoid the pressure, work around uh, and, you know, avoid anybody that's coming and, and be able to step up into, into the pocket as well. Um, we think that he's a guy that that's really going to work well from the pocket. He was number one in overall QBR uh, stat for us under pressure. Um, so that kind of tells you, you know, he, he sees the pressure, he avoids the pressure, and he's still able to make a good play on the field. I think one thing that's impressive about Mac Jones is so let's get this out of the way. Not a great athlete at all. Nobody's going to confuse him with Lamar Jackson, but he just doesn't flinch when a guy is coming. And that is that is what it's easy to project him to the NFL knowing that, you know, he doesn't fold under pressure. Uh, John, do you have uh, another guy maybe besides Mac Jones, or would you agree that Mac Jones is the guy in the pocket? Yeah, it's definitely Mac Jones. Um, just again, it goes back to that ability where he has to be able to operate in the pocket. Um, being the least mobile of this top group for us, um, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, all of those guys are, are mobile guys um, to varying levels, but they're all actually very mobile. Um, Mac Jones is very different from that, so he has to operate within the pocket, and he does a really good job of that. Savvy, moving within the pocket, uh, sliding over to open space, um, working, throwing windows and things like that. That's It's high-level stuff, understanding his limitations and still being able to execute. Third and eight, everybody in the stadium knows you have to throw. The defensive coordinator can do whatever he wants. Which quarterback are you taking, John? We're going back to Zach Wilson from a statistical perspective, at least. Um, he led the country in third and fourth down QBR with at least 30 dropbacks, and he was tied for most touchdowns. He had six touchdowns this year with no interceptions on those downs. Um, he came up in the clutch on those situations. He didn't have to come up in the clutch and and, uh, and maybe driving his team down to win close games necessarily. He was he was and had a lot of blowouts. Um, the one time that I can think of this year where he had to do that was Coastal Carolina on that last drive. And he actually did put, I mean, they got tackled on the one yard line or whatever. So we'll go with Zach Wilson for that. There are a few other guys that we could bounce around to, but uh, statistically Zach Wilson was, was far and away at least um, for those downs for us. Nathan, would you agree that Zach Wilson would be your pick as well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, John hit on a lot of the stats that we have and, and Wilson, you know, tops a lot of that. 
Uh, one of the other guys that that really is up there in terms of our clutch grade is, is Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, you just watch him play. Obviously, you're going to see a lot of the traits that come out. Um, being able to, uh, you know, move the ball on third downs and, and really, you know, be an effective uh, quarterback in the red zone. That's that's a guy that, that you really want out there. Trevor Lawrence had a stretch in 2019 that where he didn't play very well. And obviously 2020 completely forgot about that because he looked like Trevor Lawrence again. How much stock do you put in those games, those few games or whatever of Trevor Lawrence in 2019 and moving forward? It's definitely important to note whenever you're watching quarterbacks, you want to try and get the full range of, of um, you know, their games and who they've played and, and when he did something good, when he did something bad. Um, you know, it's hard to find a lot of bad in Trevor Lawrence, but like you said, he did have a little stretch in 2019. Um, so it's always good to, to watch a little bit of that and make sure, um, you know, it's not something that's repetitive. Uh, and the good thing about that is, you know, he overcame it through the last part of 2019 and into 2020. It'd be a different story if he kind of ended on that note. Um, but the fact that he, you know, went through that stretch and, and was able to overcome all of that and then really get back to what we know Trevor Lawrence to be uh, is definitely huge for him. So pure talent. And let's assume that Trevor Lawrence would be the answer here. Outside of pure talent, who who would you take, uh, Nathan? Uh, we actually have, uh, you know, Justin Fields, you know, pure talent wise, uh, you know, he's a big body, a guy that can move around, um, you know, he's has every physical tool um, that you require from a top level uh, NFL quarterback. Um, Matt Manicharian, actually, and a former NFL scout, he's our director of football, he actually wrote up fields uh, and said that he fits best in a Shanahan style play action bootleg system. Um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, he works well in the pocket, can get out of the pocket, um, can make plays uh, whenever you need him to. Uh, and he has, he has that arm that he can really make a lot of the throws, you know, whether it's short, deep uh, and put the ball where it needs to go. John, would you agree that Justin Fields would be the most talented outside of Trevor Lawrence? I think so. Yeah, we were talking about that with Matt. Matt likes talking about uh, how he's a guy who could play like profiles as a guy who could play any sport. Basically, he's just one of those kind of athletes, um, just a natural talent. Um, still a really young guy and performed at the highest level. He, he detailed some of his weaknesses that, that some teams may be exposed with some disguising some coverages and stuff for him, but just pure talent wise um, and his growth potential, Matt was, was really high on, on Justin Fields. And, uh, and actually was when we had it at the end with, uh, with Justin Fields and Zach Wilson at, at very similar grades, we asked Matt just to break the tie for us. And he was definitive Justin, Justin Fields as, uh, as the number two guy behind him. The boss gets to make the rules. I like it. Um, so let's, let's move on to receivers here. And there are plenty of, this is another very strong class. So last year was a good class, but this year is they're not far off, if not better. So let's stick with what wins the NFL and that's route running, like nuance, being able to win at every level, being able to set defenders up. Who's the best route runner in this upcoming class? We actually have Jalen Waddle, um, and, we, and he's our number one receiver overall. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch. Uh, obviously went through the injury this year, uh, but he's a quick twitch athlete, rare play speed. Uh, we actually gave him a nine play speed, and that's on a one to nine scale. Um, wow. You know, you're not going to see much, much faster than him. Uh, he varies speeds really well mid-route, um, does a good job setting up his routes, uh, incredible burst and acceleration to get in and out of cuts, uh, and, and really keeps defenders guessing. Um, you know, if you look at one of our stats, we have a positive play percentage uh, and he was 80 percent man and zone uh, this year, which is incredible, even in the limited uh, action that he did see. So he's definitely a fun guy to watch. Uh, and, you know, he's our number one guy. I would agree with you that Waddle is the top um, receiver in the NFL draft. And you mentioned how he varies speeds. You will see him take four or five steps. 
throttle down just a little bit. And as soon as the DB breaks down with him, like he has no chance because he can just get going right away. Uh, John, is there, would you have an alternate guy um, outside of Waddle if you had to pick another route runner? Yeah. So uh, we could go Devontae. Devontae Smith is right there too. Again, the Alabama guys and, uh, and going back to Jerry Judy as well was way up there with route running. He's one of the best route runners we've seen. They do it in different ways though. So Waddle's obviously the, the combination of crazy speed and the twitchy, varying those speeds and stuff. Jerry Judy had the dead legs, the crazy stop and start with his length. Um, and Devontae Smith's a bit more of a fluid route runner. He's just, I mean, I just keep using the word smooth with him, with everything that he does. Jordan Edwards, who, who did our report on, on Devontae, said he was actually, he thinks he's more, a better route runner than Jerry Judy was, even though Jerry Judy's more of the flashy, the stop and start, the, the jukes and all that stuff. Devontae's just smooth in and out of cuts, keeping that acceleration through his brakes. And again, like when, when Waddle went out, Devontae had to be schemed up all this stuff and was forced the ball and both teams knew exactly who's getting the ball every time. And, uh, and he found a way to get open, um, making plays easy. He's a, he's a special guy, but it's interesting. We do have him as our third receiver behind Waddle and Devontae, which tells you how special this receiver class is. Yeah. That's a good point because in any other class we're probably talking about that. He's a no brainer, surefire number one wide receiver. When you mentioned Devonta Smith, the word that I come up with is just easy. Everything looks so easy and effortless with him. Uh, two names that I would throw out there as far as route running that probably they might go in the first round, more than likely in the second round, but Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore are two guys that really stuck out to me as far as just being able to get open, use whether it's using their foot, feet work, whether, uh, footwork, whether it's using their body. Uh, they just know how to set guys up, and, and I was really impressed with those two. Uh, let's move on to a guy that you would trust in a contested situation because in the NFL, not every, not every route you're going to have to be able to um, – you're not going to have six yards off. You're not going to have off coverage every time. You're going to have to make a play in traffic. So, uh, Nathan, let's go back to you. Who would you trust the most in a contested situation? Is Are we going back to Devonta? Uh, we're actually going to go to our number two receiver, and we're going to talk about Jamar Chase a little bit. Um, you know, obviously didn't have him, uh, didn't see him in 2020. You know, we're, we're looking at 2019, but, you know, everyone talks about the Devontae Smith uh, season in 2020. Uh, Jamar Chase's season in 2019 wasn't that far off. Uh, yeah. You know, special, he's not incredibly special as an overall route runner, um, but with the ball in the air, he's a guy that's, you know, he's dominant. Strong hands, plucks the ball away from his frame, able to go up and get it. He's savvy. He, he uses his offhand really well. Uh, explosive leaping ability. Uh, a guy that just works really well uh, without the ball to be able to get himself in the in the right situation to go up and make the grab. Yeah, I think Jamar Chase, and we will get to this eventually, but he has like what I would call sneaky speed. You don't, he doesn't really seem that fast, but he's always getting on top of guys. And you mentioned that he's not like a great route runner, quote unquote. But I don't think he really has to be with the, everything you just said with his style of play. Uh, John, is there another guy that you have besides Jamar Chase, or would you go with him as well in a contested situation? No, yeah, I, Jamar Chase is my guy. I'm a big fan of Jamar Chase. Um, it's yeah, it's it's not the route running before the ball's in the air, but when the ball's in the air and then when it's in his hands, he's just ridiculous. Um, he's dominant. He's my ball attitude. Go up and get it. Uh, he's physical for his size. He's um, he's bigger. He's young, too. Um, he's just a really special dude with the ball in the air. Uh, and then after the catch, he's he's really tough to bring down. So definitely in contested situations over the middle, deep uh, back shoulders, jump balls, all that stuff. Uh, that's all Jamar Chase right there. 
Yeah, his competitiveness when the ball is in the air is just unreal. And, and I would say the same for Devonta Smith. Just both of those guys, man. They they are going to win. Like a 50-50 ball is not a 50-50 ball when it comes to those two. So let's move on to, again, going back to third down because that is kind of the money down. Like if you had one guy, are you just going to pick your top receiver on third down or third and seven, press coverage? Who are you taking in this class? We uh we got a few different guys here. Again, we don't want to keep talking about Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. I mean, <laughs> right. you get those guys underneath. You get either those guys the ball on a screen or something underneath, or Jamar Chase throw them a contested catch or uh, anything like that, and and they'll get you first down easily. Um, but a few underrated guys. Uh, I mean, well, this guy's not super underrated, but Kadarius Tony is. A, I'm a big fan of Kadarius Tony. His big thing is when he needs to get open and when he knows he's in early progression. And uh, when he's turning it on, his route running on, it's really tough to stop him. The problem is he doesn't do it all the time. It's really easy to tell when he's in early progression versus when he's not. Um, but when he needs to get open, uh, it's crazy what it can do. Some of the as shifty as you'll see guys that are playing inside leverage on him, linebackers and safeties that come up whose job is to stop him from crossing their face. And he finds a way to cross their face consistently, open up their hips, um, head fakes and jukes and that stuff. Kadarius Tony's really tough on third downs. Um, and he can also be used as a third down running back too. He's, he's a special talent with the ball in his hands. He's a former wildcat quarterback. He's comfortable carrying the ball, good vision and patience as a, as a ball carrier. So he can be used in a lot of different ways as a gadget player on third downs as well. Um, but strictly as a route runner as well, he can get open on third downs and convert for you. So does that worry you when you talk about not being the first progression and quote unquote, taking plays off because he, it's fair to say that every receiver is going to do that at some point during the game, but he was a senior and you don't want to see that from a senior. And there are other plays where it almost seems like Florida had to kind of scheme him open. So does that, does that worry you at all? Yeah, a little bit. It's interesting. Uh, as dynamic as he is, he's not without his flaws. He's got some balance issues for as crazy athletic as he is. He's, he'll, he'll, uh, he's a bit too quick for his own good. Sometimes he's uh he lacks some route savvy and awareness to kind of work with his quarterback on option routes sit in the open zones and things like that. Uh, Georgia, for example, was a, a top team, with top competition in the secondary that would stay patient through all those extra movements at the stem uh, where some lesser competition will fall for those jukes and open up their hips and let him do what he wants. And uh, if you stay patient with him and disciplined, then uh, you can maybe shut him down a little bit. So he's not maybe the, the purest route runner from that sense and, and ability to get open in different ways, but um, like I said, when he turns it on, when he really needs to get open, uh, most of the time he really found, he found a way and it's, it's pretty impressive. But Nathan fire away if you have one, but I also want to ask you, do you think that in Tony's case with an athlete like him, that you can improve your route running? Is that easy to teach? Uh, it can be, it, it, it comes down to a guy that's going to be coachable. Uh, if this guy is, is willing to put the time in, uh, you know, I think route running can be improved. Uh, it's something that you definitely want to, uh, you know, have a lot of it coming into uh, the NFL from college. Um, but if if there's a guy, that, you know, in, in Tony's case, he maybe didn't run a lot of different routes or or different things like that. Um, whenever you get to the NFL and you start to to really practice that NFL route tree, um, that hopefully, you know, something like that comes to a, to a guy like that. That's, you know, that talented. Uh, in terms of, of, of another guy, um, kind of the, the complete opposite, uh, Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State. Oh, wow. This is a, bi a big guy. Um, and if you watch the Kansas State game uh, where you put up three touchdowns against them, um, that pretty, pretty much showed you what, what he gives you. Um, you know, a big target. He's a possession guy that's going to make catches all over his frame. 
Um, and, and he's going to do it contested as well. He could arguably, arguably be, um, you know, one of those contested options as well. Um, makes catches, you know, on third downs and in the red zone. Um, and he's a guy that even played through an injury this year. Um, maybe there's sometimes he looks like he labored a little bit or didn't have the great speed or separation, um, but he was playing through injury. And, and I think whenever he gets health, fully healthy, uh, he's a guy that has the hands and uh, that overall catch radius um, to really do some damage uh, you know, on third downs and in the red zone. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So we can't talk about receivers not talking about a big play threat and obviously waddle has a deep speed but let's talk vertical threats let's talk a guy who might fit in a cliff kingsbury bruce arians maybe the steelers who are just looking for you know nine routes eight routes down the field uh nathan who do you have as some of the one of the top uh, deep threats in the draft yeah one of the guys that we have uh is is nico collins uh you know another guy that didn't play this year um but another big body uh went to the senior bowl and you could really see what he can do there um, you know, has that that big body mentality and, and can actually you know use that body to, to separate, but also has a little bit of speed to be able to win over the top. Um, if you look at his numbers, he had a career deep percentage over 15 yards or more uh, on the target, 36% of the time, and his average depth of target was 14. So that's telling you, you know, he's really making plays down the field. 73% of his career yardage came, you know, from air yards. Um, so he's really working down the field, um, you know, Good athlete for that size, consistently delivers on the 50-50 balls whenever you need him to, um, and really has the explosion and the timing that you need um, to really win down the field. John, when we're talking about deep, you know, deep threats, do we overrate 40 times? Because Nathan just talked about Nico Collins. He's not going to run a 4-3. And when you think about deep threats, you're probably thinking about, you know, Jalen Waddles or uh, De'Ami Browns from UNC, who guys who can fly, but that's not Nico Collins. So uh, how would you say, or what's important to be a good deep threat? Let's ask that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we were going to bring up here in, the, in this section, talking about this, the different ways that guys can win or the different guys, different profiles of a deep threat. You have your De'Ami Browns and you have your Jalen Waddles and the guys that are going to run blazing speed. And obviously those guys are over the top threats. Then you've got your guys like Tylen Wallace or a guy like Nico Collins or like a Joshi Matter Bebe or something like that, who those are jump ball threats. Guys that you're, they're maybe not going to burn you deep, but they're going to out jump you on 50-50 balls and go up and get it. And then you've got the guys that don't profile as either like Frank Darby or, or Tyler Vons or somebody like yeah. that, who they don't have like the deep speed necessarily. They don't have the leaping ability necessarily, but it's that tracking ability guys that just find a way to get open. They have a knack for catching the ball deep um, with bodies around them over their shoulder, along the sideline, the body control, just the, the knack for making plays downfield. Um, even though they don't profile as guys with great play speed or great leaping ability or contested catch ability. When you look up the word body control, Tylen Wallace is probably going to be the person you see. He is always under control. He times his jumps so well, and it seems like he just hangs in the air for five seconds. So that's a name that we hadn't brought up yet, but Tylen Wallace is a good name. So you kind of mentioned Jonathan Abrams from Arkansas State. Is there a sleeper that is not getting enough love in this draft? Nathan, let's go back to you. 
Um, this one kind of, you know, teeters on the, on the sleeper, uh, you know, definition here, but Dwayne Eskridge, he's, he's such a fun guy to watch. And he was a guy that probably wasn't, um, you know, highly known, uh, before going into the senior bowl. And then obviously, you know, those two days of the senior bowl practices, uh, really showed what he can do. He's a guy that's, he's a dynamic playmaker. Uh, you get the ball in his hands. He's going to do a lot for you. And he's a versatile athlete, athlete too. Even 2019, before he got hurt for the season, he played four games at corner. Um, you know, he's over at corner playing there. Uh, and he's also a big time returner as well. Uh, faced a lot of press coverage in, in college. So he's a guy that's really refined, uh, you know, has good refined release skills to get off of press coverage. Um, not a guy that probably, uh, you know, at his size profiles strictly to the slot, but you can kind of move him around a little bit. Um, and, and you just look at what he did in six games this year. Like he's a guy that, you know, you just get the ball in his hands, uh, you know, in a 10 yard slant and he's going to take it the distance, you know, more times than not. So he's definitely a fun guy to watch and, and a guy that, you know, could be on, on that day two um, talk, but, you know, a guy that probably most people don't really know too much about. Yeah, the fact that we've mentioned about 10 names already and, and Eskridge wasn't one of them kind of gives you an idea of how much depth is in this class. John, do you have a, another sleeper besides Eskridge? Yeah, so another guy that, that Nate did as well is Jalen Darden, um, gadget dude. He had him as, as one of the best playmakers in this draft. Uh, creates on his own, thrives with the ball in his hands. He's quick, he's elusive. Uh, the ability that we're talking about. Um, stems his routes well, wins leverage battles. Um, he's a fun dude. And then one other just small one, I mentioned Joshi Matterbebe is a guy who's kind of got to figure out the route running, but he's got the leaping ability and stuff for days. Um, and then the complete opposite of that would be a guy uh, like Dax Milne for me. Um, super late guy. He's not going to win any uh, contests in terms of athleticism or speed or, uh, or anything like that. But the dude just knows how to win. He's, he makes a bunch of winning plays. He'll make the extra block. He's a great teammate. He's got that former walk-on mentality. Um, strong hands. He's just got the really detailed footwork and route running and just ability to get open where um, and like I said, he was a former walk-on. He earned immediate playing time. And then uh, and then you get to this season, he's Zach Wilson's go-to receiver at BYU at his mediocre size and speed and everything. So we've got a ton of names in this book for receivers. Uh, not enough to talk about in here, but right. we can go for days on all this receiver class. Darden is a guy that I would say the Chiefs thought they were getting with Miko Hartman. Like that's who I would com not, not so much compare him to, but that's who they may have wanted to get when they drafted Miko Hartman. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see where a lot of these names are, but especially a guy like Darden. Uh, let's move on to cornerbacks. And there are going to be some names in this draft that uh, every year there are names where, you know, third and fourth round guys outperform their draft status last year. Uh, the Chiefs were a good example of that. They had a guy going to the senior bowl. He had a good he had a good senior bowl. And then he, he still won the fourth round and played well for the Chiefs. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the top cornerbacks. But let's start with what I think is one of the most important traits for a cornerback, just being able to get in and out of your break. So the best transitions. Uh, Nathan, let's go to you. Who's the best cornerback in this draft as far as getting in and out of his breaks? Yeah, we have two guys that kind of tied for the, the top transition grade, and that was J.C. Horn and Caleb Farley. Uh, I'll talk about Farley a little bit uh, since I watched him. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, opted out of 2020, so didn't get to see him this year. But you look at his 2019 film, and it's, it's fun to watch. A guy that has good size. He's excellent fluidity, smooth back pedal, um, reads and reacts really quickly, which allows him to, to really transition with receivers on their breaks. Um, a guy that, you know, he's going to be able to play man. He's going to be able to play zone. Uh, you know, he can play at the line. He can play off uh, a guy that just he's, he's really smooth and, and moves with ease as well. So 
Um, yeah, like I said, he, he didn't play this year, which is going to be interesting, you know, making that jump after a year off. Um, but you watch his 2019 film and it's, it's easy to see why he's one of the top guys that's being talked about. Yeah, I feel like we saw enough from Farley to know that we don't we know he's a player. Um, you mentioned Farley and Horns. How crazy is that that two guys, six one, six two, probably at least and Horn looks even bigger than that, that those those type of athletes, freaks, we can call them, uh, are the best transitions. John, what do you what was your take on watching uh, J.C. Horn? Super physical. Um, yeah, I mean, Caleb Farley is kind of the fluid athlete, the, the smooth guy. And, and J.C. Horn's just going to get in your face, press man and, and stick on your hip. Uh, he's got the transition skills, maybe more from that aspect of your mirror match skills off the line. Um, he'll press you. He'll stay connected. He'll get in your face, all that stuff. Uh, JC Forms a really fun guy to watch just from a feistiness standpoint. He had some battles with Kyle Pitts and, uh, and he'll go at it. Obviously he dominated Seth Williams and everything. So he's a, he's a sticky dude in man coverage, which is always what you're looking for in a corner. Um, loves to get physical. He's got the length. He's got the size. He's got the fluid hips and everything. That's, that's what we're looking for. So I, I've seen your cornerback rankings and I'm going to have J.C. Horn as CB1 um, for a lot of the same reasons that you just talked about, because I think he projects the best and you don't have to do guessing when you watch J.C. Horn because you saw him win both inside and out. And he's just always in the right position to make a play. You mentioned his physicality and I've seen people critique some of his tackling, but I've also seen him kind of do that peanut punch at guys. And sometimes he just missed and that was his thing. So I'm very fascinated to see where he goes because that will matter as well for a lot of these guys. But for Horn, I think he's the most scheme proof. Uh, Nathan, going back to Farley real quick, he had a couple whiffs and he had some recklessness to his game in 2019. Does that concern you at all? Um, it was a little concerning whenever you see him. He's a guy that he's not super fundamental. He'll turn his back a little bit at times uh, and kind of get lost a little bit. But, you know, it, whenever you watch it, you, you're looking at consistency uh, and, you know, he'll do that every now and again. But whenever he gets in your face, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to be able to stay in phase whenever uh, receivers are getting down the field. And like we talked about with the transition, he's going to work really well at the top of breaks uh, and get in and, out, in and out of those as well. So, um, you know, it's a little concerning whenever you're you're talking about something like that. But, you know, I think the, uh, you know, the, the big time uh, traits really over overshadow that. More than, uh, you know, that's something that we really need to stick on. So I'm a Florida State football fan and going from watching Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James these, uh, the past few years to what the product that they've put on the field uh, the last couple of years has not been fun at all to watch. But Asante Samuel is a cornerback who I think has very good zone eyes, is very good against the zone in general. And he could probably be talked about as far as transition goes when he has a chance to keep his eyes on the quarterback. Would you guys, where would you rank him as far as um, being a zone cornerback or just being one of the better zone guys in this draft? Yeah, we have Samuel uh, actually as our number seven uh, or number six overall, um, you know, corner. So, I mean, he's definitely not that far down. Um, you know, we, we don't have him as a, an elite zone defender. We actually, we're going to talk about him a little bit whenever it comes to off, uh, off man coverage a little as well. Um, but he, yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. He has tools. Uh, and he has a lot of the, you know, reactive athleticism that you want to see. Um, so he's going to be able to, to mirror and match guys, you know, play off uh, and transition well, uh, you know, at the top of breaks to really get in and out of uh, cuts as well. But, yeah, he does have some some decent, um, you know, eyes in zone coverage. Uh, and that reactive athleticism definitely helps, uh, you know, in that zone awareness as well. 
it's it's strange how much he plays like his dad, just as far as all the strengths and the weaknesses. So uh, let's let's go to ball skills here because you have to be able to make a play on the ball when it's in the air. If you cannot, you will not last long in the NFL. So, John, who do you who has the best ball skills at cornerback in this draft? Yeah, this is a fun one for me. Uh, Paulson Adebo. People don't talk about him a lot because opted out of 2020. He missed the end of the 2019 season, so he kind of gets forgotten in this class. But, man, when he played, he's got some of the most ridiculous on-ball production in college football history for just one and a half seasons. Uh, eight interceptions, 25 other pass breakups beyond that, and only 21 starts, um, which is crazy because he's not the quick twitch guy. He's not, uh, he's not the fastest guy out there good closing speed, but it's that length. It's the innate ball skills. He understands how to get there. He's a former two-way prep star. Uh, he played receiver and corner in high school. And so he's got those, uh, those receiver traits, but um, yeah, he just knows how to use his length to get in the way of, of uh, in passing lanes. And despite not being the quickest guy, he might be a guy who would transition to safety at the next level potentially, but his on-ball production is as good as anybody there is in this class for sure. And it's especially impressive, like I said, because of that lack of he's not sticking to guys' hips necessarily. He is more of a zone corner, which you're not always seeing with the, the on-ball production. He's not sticking to guys consistently, but he just knows how to get in the way of passing lanes. And uh, it's really impressive. Yeah, it's evident that he played receiver because you mentioned he's not the greatest athlete, doesn't have the greatest deep speed, but he's so comfortable at getting his head around and finding the ball and tracking the ball where a lot of guys will get their head around and lose track of where the receiver is. And that's not an issue for him at all. So, uh, Nate, let's go back to off, man. You mentioned Asante Samuel. Um, what makes him so comfortable? What makes him so good playing off of the receiver? Because that is not easy to do at all. Yeah, it's hard to actually find a lot of good corners that can play off man coverage. Uh, you know, coming into the NFL. Uh, and, you know, whenever we go through and, you know, we scout and grade all these guys, we're, we're grading these guys how they're going to be in the NFL. Um, so it's very hard to get a good uh, or better, uh, you know, off-man grade. And Asante Samuel is one of those guys that we really had. And, and, you know, I mentioned it, the reactive athleticism is one of the biggest things, you know, just his ability to react quickly and, you know, at his size and, uh, you know, the, the quickness that he has. Um, you know, the mere match movements that that he's able to, um, you know, show is either whether it's big receivers, speedy receivers, uh, you know, going across the middle, going deep. He can stay with all those guys, um, you know, is able to turn and run with them. Uh, and, you know, just that transition ability, like you said, um, he really has the ability to to get in the backpedal and then really get out of his backpedal really quickly uh, and break up on these guys. So I mentioned some uh, Legere Sneed from the Chiefs last year and how he kind of outperformed his draft stock. Who is a guy who you believe will do the same this year? John, let's go to you, a sleeper in this draft at the cornerback position. We have a bunch of corners as well. Um, we can go on down the list. We got those guys like Paulson Adebo and, uh, and Sean Wade and Elijah Molden that are lower in our rankings strictly because of the way that we do things. So we, the way that we grade in the handbook, the way that Matt taught us and the way that we've been doing things is role-based grading, which again, will will affect players based on what their role will be at the next level. Obviously, you have your Patrick Sertans and your Jalen Waddles who are going to be elite players no matter what. Um, you get on down a bit. Uh, for some of those players that maybe you're an inside-only receiver or an outside-only cornerback or something like that, that's going to knock your grade for us. But that doesn't mean that we don't think you're great players. Like Paulson Adebo, Sean Wade, we think is a great slot corner only. Um, Elijah Mullins, an elite slot corner only. 
Um, so you go down to some of those guys, you got Shamar Jean Charles, who was ridiculous with on-ball production this year uh, at App State. Um, so again, you're going to get down to some of those guys in the, like we call them six, four range where they're inside only outside only they're more role specific players as third cornerbacks. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't think they're great players. They're going to excel within their role. Um, they just got to be used a bit more scheme specifically. So you just talked about Patrick Sertan and that's the first time we've brought that name up when we're talking about cornerbacks. So this is where I'm actually going to disagree. And we've done this for what, 40 minutes now. We, we've, we haven't really disagreed. I think, and here's my holdup with Sertan. First of all, deep speed. I don't think that's really, you know, saying nobody would really disagree that he doesn't have the greatest deep speed, but where I have an issue with watching Sertan is at the top of routes, too often during games, I saw him lose separation. And he's a great technician, great technique, but that's where his lack of speed really hurts him. Uh, Nathan, do you think that will affect him at the next level? Yeah, I definitely. Whenever you're talking about speed at the corner position, that's going to you know bring some merit to uh, you know whether a guy's going to play well or not. Uh, and you know, if we talked about a top zone corner, we were going to talk about Sertain a little bit, and that kind of go kind of ties into what we're talking about here. Uh, he's not a guy that's probably going to stay man to man. Uh, you know, down in and down out. But if you look at his eyes, his his zone discipline, his awareness, um, he's a guy that, you know, he's going to he's going to sit back and he's going to watch what happens in front of him and, and watch the eyes of the quarterback and, and you know, break and make plays. Um, you know, we do have Sertan as the number one corner. Uh, we have him as a 7-0 type of guy, but we do feel that he's probably a guy that's probably going to fit better uh, in that zone scheme. Um, you know, he can definitely play man. Uh, we think he can play man enough that obviously, you know, we're going to give him a seven Oh grade. That's a, that's a big time grade. Um, but we feel like, you know, his zone ability is, is up there, uh, amongst the top of class. Three years from now, who is the best cornerback in this class? We've mentioned all the top guys. Uh, you can kind of take your pick from any of them, obviously based on our grades, we think Sertan. Um, and again, like we just talked about where Sertan might not be the flashiest, we just think with the pedigree, with the football intelligence that he plays with, playing under Saban, obviously his dad, like that there's a lot that comes with that that's going to profile well to the next level. We've talked about Horn and his physicality. we talked about Farley and his athleticism. Um, the guy we haven't brought up is Greg Newsom, who we're big fans uh, of. He led a lot of our leaderboards, and I'm a big fan of Greg Newsom. I think he's got kind of that similar to Patrick Sertan, that man coverage, zone coverage, whatever you want, all-around ability, and he's got the great ball skills downfield. Um, bit too physical downfield. He'll, he'll get a few too many penalties, but uh, I love the attitude that he plays with and everything. I think he's going to be really good and he's a bit underrated in this class. So we've mentioned a lot of guys, those four Rodarius Williams is up there for us. Asante Samuel Jr. And Eric Stokes, those are all starting level cornerbacks for us that any of them, that's seven dudes in this class that we think are day one starting cornerbacks um, that we think are going to be special down the road. Newsom is awesome, man. And we, we should not have gone this long without talking about him. I'm, I'm probably going to have him in the top five as well. You mentioned that he does get a little grabby and that's fair. I've seen him kind of bear hug guys down the field, but he just competes his butt off, man. He's a really sound football player. And when you see that it's tough to bet against those guys when you have that type of technique and he's in position to make plays on the pass, and he makes plenty of plays on the pass. So um, I really love Newsom. Let me throw a name at you guys that we have not brought up because 
I think that Tyson Campbell is going to be better in the NFL than he was in college. I think his technique is sound. He caught a lot of bad breaks at the top of the routes where he just couldn't find the ball or the receiver just made a better play than him. Um, I'm kind of betting against that going the other way in the NFL. I think he's going to be really good, and I think he's going to outperform his draft stock. Nathan, did you get a chance to watch him at all? Yeah, I actually did his report, so that kind of works out pretty Perfect. well. Um, <laughs> we have a, a 6-5 grade on him, and that – he came in as our number 12 corner. Um, so not super high, but, you know, definitely not low at, at all. Um, you know, six, five is definitely a starting grade. Um, he's going to, you know, he's going to play uh, quite a bit. And he's a guy that, you know, he has the speed, he has the the physicality, he has the the FBI that you're looking for from the, uh, you know, from the corner position. But, you know, like you said, he, he might, um, you know, struggle a little bit here and there. He's, he, he was very inconsistent at Georgia. Um, and, you know, I, I think, like you said, he's a guy that probably is going to play a little bit better at the NFL level, um, but he definitely has tools. Uh, he's, he's a good guy, fun guy to watch. Um, and you just you watch Georgia defense. Georgia defense is, is fun to watch in a whole. Um, a lot of corners, a lot of defenders that are really going to make a lot of plays uh, and, and really profile well to the next level. Uh, and Tyson Cable, I think, is one of those guys who's, who's definitely going to make a name for himself at the next level. Well, we talked about quarterbacks, we talked about receivers, we talked about cornerbacks. Uh, where can we find these this Sports Info Solutions Rookie Handbook 2021 at, Nathan? Yeah, so we actually have a uh, digital copy this year. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, if you want the hard copy, which, you know, I do, and hopefully a lot of those people uh, still love, uh, you know, getting their books, uh, you can go to Act the Sports uh, and, and find the hard copy there. It, it should be out now. We actually just got confirmation that we received all of ours in the office today. So, um, you know, it was, it was shipped on March 1st and they're, they're definitely getting out there. So I've, I've had the book the last couple of years and the book's fun because you can kind of make your own notes, use your own little, um, bookmarks and whatnot. Uh, John, do, do you have anything else that you would like to plug before we get out of here as well? No, we appreciate you having us on. Uh, the handbook's great for us. It's a, it's a, combination of everybody who's come in and helped us with the charting process throughout the season here. Uh, obviously we're, we're mainly an analytics company, but um, like I said, a lot of people want to come in and be scouts too. So we offer this side of things and uh, it's a lot of different opinions and a lot of different work that, that goes into this, but it's fun to kind of reap the rewards of it at the end here. And we get it finally sit back and read through it and, and talk some football. So um, balance out the stats and the, and the eye scouting that we talked about at the top of the show. So thanks for having us on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again, guys, for taking the time. Uh, this has been the SB Nation NFL show. My name is Kyle Posey. You can follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Nathan, John, do you guys do the Twitter? Do you do the internet or do you just stay far, far away from that? I, I'm on there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big retweeter. I'm not going to tweet out too much unless it's like <laughs> senior bowl or draft season. Um, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. And, uh, you know, John's a guy that he likes to stay in the shade a little bit smart don't do it john don't you dare do it it's it's much better on your side i promise so thanks again for listening everybody please rate subscribe review on itunes leave us five star review let us know what you thought about the show and thank you again more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.